Hey, well, happy Mother's Day and good morning, New Hope Community Church. I'm so excited to be sharing the Word of God with you today. And, um, you know, as I think and I look back on this year, I never thought that I would be spending Mother's Day like this. Um, but it's so amazing to see that even in this season where we can't be connected and we can't meet together physically, that we can get together and um, connect through uh, the internet and Zoom classes. And I'm just uh, so blessed by all the different things that we have going on throughout the week. Well, I love our moms. Uh, and I love all of your beautiful children honoring their mothers. I pray that you guys have a blessed day today. Um, when I think about motherhood, sometimes I get mom fatigue. I don't know about you, but just doing all of the duties um, that we have to complete, all the tasks that have to get done um, as mothers, it's easy to be so overwhelmed. I think about just the moms who have to drive around Honolulu to drop their kids off at different times of the day for different practices and different things. It's, it can be exhausting, amen. <laughs> I definitely can feel overwhelmed and I, as a mother, need to be refreshed. How many of you would say like, yes, I need to be refreshed as a mom? And you know, the crazy thing is this is Mother's Day and um, the things that I do to be refreshed, like getting my hair done or my nails done or maybe a massage, I can't have any of those this year. <laughs> And I'm having to, um, you know, find other ways to fill that in my life. I saw this picture, something really interesting. And it was an article. It was a picture from an article titled, Times of Crisis Expose Our Idols. And it really got me thinking. There are a lot of precious things in this season that I miss. Um, precious things being, of course, church. I really miss uh, fellowshipping and being with other believers and singing together, praying together, holding hands, hugging, um, that physical contact. I miss that. I miss you. Um, I miss lunches. I love to do like a lunch once a week. They're just such a filling, encouraging time for me. Um, I miss family dinner. We do um, like once a week, we'll have a family over to our house and have a time of dinner. I miss those, those things. Um, we can miss work. I know work has changed for some of us that have been furloughed or some of us are working from home and it's just maybe not the same. Um, sports, I know sports is like at a, it, it stopped. Whether our children, you know, they're not competing in sports right now and there's nothing on TV except for the Michael Jordan special. <laughs> um, so praise God for that, right guys? Or anybody who's into sports. Um, maybe shopping, movies, I totally miss the movies. Um, maybe, maybe you miss going to the gym. You've really looked forward to those times, or maybe you just miss your freedom, just being able to, you know, go and hang out and sit on the beach and not worry about any of those things. But it, it just made me think, you know, in times of crisis, we value those precious things. But I also think in times of crisis, it's easy to, um, 
it's easy it exposes it really does expose our idols and maybe things that we've placed maybe too much of an importance or too much of an emphasis on and in this season we've been able to step back and really evaluate i did a uh like a drive by kind of lunch with a dear friend, um, Justine Perez. We, we kind of, um, we got poke and we parked our cars in the parking lot and then we kind of like ate in our cars and we just kind of talked back and forth. But, you know, one of the things she said just really struck me and she, she said, I was just like, how are you doing in this time? She said she's really enjoying the downtime and she said that she never wants to go back to being as busy as she was. And I think that with this season, it's helping us evaluate and kind of realign like, hey, I was too busy and I was overwhelmed and I don't want to do that in my life. And so in this season, as we expose different things that we miss, maybe it's an idol that the Lord wants to kind of realign us. John Piper said it like this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. What does that mean? What it means is that we were made to worship God and to find fulfillment and satisfaction in him and him alone. And when he isn't the longing of our heart, the source of our lives, then we seek to fill that in other places. Instead of filling that God-shaped hole with enjoyment of Him, we fill it with love of things. Maybe we fill it with experiences or desires or maybe the responses we get for others, but we look for fulfillment in other ways. And let me tell you that this is an exhausting way to live that Christ and Christ alone can satisfy the longings in our hearts. And when we look to other places, um, we are not fulfilled. I, I can um, tell you story after story, especially being uh, a musician and, and having, you know, being on worship teams and all the different uh, musicians and the talent, talented people that I've seen and met. There are some people who um, they want to, you know, have that fame and that fortune and they try to pursue that goal and they run after it and, and they, you know, if only I can get this and then they get it and it's not good enough. And if only, you know, I could be valid validated by this musician and that musician validates them and it still doesn't it does it they always it always leaves them wanting and really only Christ can satisfy and so today we're going to talk about idols and when we think about idols I know that a lot of us just have an image in our mind of like a man-made you know image uh, something that people bow down to, but really an idol can be anything that we love more than God. Idols will consume our thinking and they become the central part to our lives. If we, and if we don't have them, uh, we are devastated. And here's the crazy thing about idols today. They don't even have to be bad things. They can be good things good things that you're find, trying to find the sole meaning and purpose to your life in. Idols don't even have to be bad things. They can be good things. 
but good things in a misplaced order of priority, well, then that's where we kind of get mixed up and fouled up and that's where we kind of become out of whack. Um, take an example, like, you know, work is your life and you're all about the work and, you know, you your children should probably be here, but it's all about the work. And then you'll find that, that misplacement of priorities, um, that's where we, we need alignment um, in our lives. Our hearts can be a tricky thing. It might be hard to pinpoint. If you start thinking now that we're talking about idols and you might be thinking, um, it's hard to say like, well, I love this more than God. It might be, um, it might be hard to pinpoint what that thing is. Um, Tim Keller puts it this way. He said, one way to reveal your idols is ask yourself, what is your worst nightmare? And in that worst nightmare, should you have like lost that thing, then you would be completely devastated, completely at a loss, completely heartbroken. I know of um, some people um, who have put all of their hope and all of their trust in their spouse, that their spouse has become their savior. And believe me, that is a, that is a lot of pressure for the other spouse, that when you look at your spouse to fulfill your, the deepest satisfaction and longing of your heart instead of Christ, that can be really overwhelming and, and hard to take. I've heard of testimonies where, you know, wives have said, I looked at my husband as the savior. And when I stopped looking at him as the savior and I began to look at Jesus as my savior, my marriage lined up and things um, became better. And I think it's because we need to put God in his rights in his right place. Um, some of us, our worst nightmare might be financial ruin. Some of us may be dying without a legacy, um, with, without any significance that we can see. Um, but whatever that nightmare may be, maybe that's the thing that you've placed in your heart above the Lord. Motherhood, I believe that motherhood um, has its own set of idols. And, and maybe, maybe you can relate to some of these. The idol of affirmation. We seek it from our friends, from our family, strangers, or maybe even we want to be affirmed by our kids. Um, we, we love the compliments. We love to hear how well-behaved our children are. We thrive when they say they're, you know, your child is so smart, uh, talented. Um, and maybe when someone criticizes us or tries to, you know, discipline, uh, we feel so defensive and, and frustrated and discouraged. And maybe we've put affirmation above the Lord. Maybe we've put approval from others above the Lord. And it's so easy to do, especially today in this social media driven world. Children can be an idol. We live for them. We try to do everything to make them happy. Uh, we seek to find fulfillment in them, like we're living vicariously through them. Um, and when they don't respond or they don't act the way that we think they should, or we, you know, they fail us, then we are devastated. It's devastating. Um, I love how Lisa Bevere puts it. She says, wives, love your husband and train your children. And I think sometimes we get that twisted. We, uh, 
love our children and we do everything for them and then we forget and we try to train our husband and tell him what to do and tell him how to do it but we got to flip that we've got to love our husbands and train our kids they're going to be gone one day your children are going to grow up but you're going to be living with your husband so invest in that relationship now success we might put success as an idol uh, we want our children to be successful because it's a reflection on us. We have this image of a perfect family and we don't measure up and we don't look that part. Um, we feel like failures. Uh, maybe even if our child has a certain limitation or they're not as successful as we think they should be, it's like, oh, it's devastating. Uh, control. Control it can be an idol. Um, we control, as mothers, we control the environments. We control what our children eat. We control how clean our house is. Um, we control the details of our schedule. I remember hearing one, um, one person tell me, you know, I just wish God would let me know the plan. Like, how long is this going to last? And then I could be okay with it. It's like, <laughs> no, no, no. You can't put God in the box of your control. Just let me know when and then I'll be good. Living with the Lord is letting him be in control and trusting him as we go. Um, but it's funny to me that we can be such control freaks. And these are not all of the idols. This is not a whole comprehensive list. Uh, truth be told, there are endless options to the idols that can be running our lives. John Calvin said this, our hearts our idol-making factories. Idols will break your heart. When you put your trust in them, when you look to them to fulfill those longings, that you think that you'll be satisfied if you can just, and you can fill in the blank, idols will break your heart. There have been moments in my life where I have been devastated. And I believe it's because that I've put that thing as an idol. I had it in the wrong place and it didn't meet my expectations. I was left feeling cut and wide open and I was wrong where I had placed it in my heart. That has happened with me in relationships. And you feel that wound and it's like, oh, I, I was finding satisfaction in them more than I was in the person of Jesus. So it's not a question of whether we have idols, but it's which ones do we have? Which idol is on the throne of your heart? Um, we may have trouble identifying our idols because they've become a part of our heart and it's not easily, recon re it's not easily recognized. Um, Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know me. And that the Lord, if you come to him and you just say, like, Lord, what are some areas in my life or what are some things that I have placed above you? And the Lord will reveal those things to you. Sometimes our emotions are um, clues to um, what our idols are. So how we react um, when our kids let us down. 
I mean, if it's through the roof, then maybe that, like your expectation, maybe you have placed that um, as an idol. Um, if we didn't get credit or affirmation for the thing that we did and we're so upset, um, maybe, maybe we've put affirmation as an idol or maybe we get bent out of shape. Like that wasn't the plan. We said we were going to do this. And all of a sudden you're just like, you know, from zero to, you know, 60, uh, because the plan, the plan was, you know, out of your control. And, and maybe those are areas in your life where the Lord wants to work healing. Um, I have a, a story, a surprising um, story in my mind um, this past week. You know, I heard that as as we have been facing this season of coronavirus and the level of desperation gets higher, um, that the crime will go up. And we actually, uh, we experienced the crime um, just two nights ago. We had um, my son Noah's bike was stolen from our backyard. And I was really bummed for him, and um, but he had like such a strong face, and I was like, Noah, are you okay? Now, this was like a $700 bike, and he worked out this deal with his brother, like, you know, Judah would help pay for it. So he was washing cars with Judah to pay Judah back. So he still owes money on this bike that was stolen, and... Um, he loved this bike. He cleans it. I, he cleans the chain every time he's done riding it. He brings it through the house. Like he leaves it in his room. This was like the one night he didn't leave it in his room um, and it got stolen. And I thought, man, this kid worships this bike. He loves this bike. He's going to be completely devastated. But Noah, to my surprise, um, was really sweet about it. He was okay. I was like, Noah, you still owe Judah. He's like, I know mom, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Like I'm okay. I'm, I'm in shock, but I'm okay. And, um, and I think that, you know, how we react when something is taken away is really telling. I would have said it as his mom that that was an idol, but truth be told, it's not. Um, that was not an idol for Noah's heart. So good, good job, Noah. <laughs> Um, but I believe that when God brings an idol to our attention, uh, we need to acknowledge it as sin and repent and turn away from that thing. And when you turn away from something, um, when you turn away from your idol, you must turn towards something. So when you turn away from something, you must turn towards something. Tim Keller said this, Jesus must become more beautiful to your imagination, more attractive to your heart than your idol. That is what will replace your counterfeit gods. If you uproot the idol and fail to plant the love of Christ in its place, the idol will grow back. The thing is, is that we can't try harder. Like, well, I'll just try harder. I just try, I won't try to put control as my idol. I'm just going to try not to be so controlling anymore, or I'm just going to resist it. That urge, anytime that comes up, I'm just going to resist it. The point is you cannot resist these idols. This is your, this is our human nature to go back to that thing, to go back to that struggle. And what you need to do is replace it. Um, we need to focus our hearts on the person and the work 
mark of Jesus. He must be our source of satisfaction, and our aim is to crave him above all else. I love this verse in Philippians uh, 3. Paul says this, If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to resurrection from the dead. What Paul does here at the beginning of this verse, he's basically saying like, man, I was the man. He lists his pedigree, his prominence, his accolades, his education. He says how perfect he was. He followed the law to the letter of the T. And all these things, can be idols. All of these things he's proud of. And then he takes all of these things and he says, I count these all as trash. I count them as nothing in comparison to the fulfillment and the satisfaction that he has in Christ. That his accolades, his status and who he was is what people like dream of and attain to and aspire. That he was famous in his own right and he had a legacy, he came from a long legacy and he's doing you know, what he thinks is right. And he says, all of those things, I had it all and I count them all as lost. And the crazy thing is, is that Paul at this point, when he writes this portion of scripture, I believe if you would take away all of these titles from him, that he would say, it's okay, as long as he had Christ. See, Paul knows what it is to have it all, and he knows that it doesn't fill and it doesn't satisfy the heart. We need to be a people who desire God above all else. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Desire God above all else. How do we place God above different priorities in our lives? Well, I believe it looks kind of something like this. You want to dwell in his presence. Just take time, some time every day to just sit and rest and be in his presence. The Bible says, I'm the vine, you are the branch, abide in me. Take a few moments a day to just say, God, I'm yours. I'm going to rest in your presence. 
You want to take time to meditate on his word. It doesn't have to be a lot of scripture, even just one verse or one portion and just sit and, and drink in the words of God. You need to allow your heart to be saturated with God's truth and love and grace. Matthew 6, says, and we all know this verse, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added. And I believe that, um, simply putting God above just aligns our priorities. You put God first, you put him above and all of these things, these areas in your life that need some straightening out, God will straighten them. We need to rest in the gospel. You take our motherhood and all of that overwhelming, you know, the job of being a mom and rest in the gospel. And when you feel the idol of comparison rise up, rest in Jesus. And when you are struggling with feelings of not measuring up, only Jesus measures up and only he is perfect. When I miss the mark, Jesus never misses the mark. So I approach my motherhood with the gospel in mind. I can have a gospel-centered motherhood knowing that I am not perfect, but Christ is perfect and he died for my sins and he's using motherhood to transform me and work out kinks and work things out in my life um, and that he, he is God and I am not and um, I am his work, my children are his work and I can trust him with that so I can rest in my motherhood, in the gospel. Thomas Watson said, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. And I wonder, is Christ sweet to you? I pray that um, our sin will become bitter to us and that we would pursue the sweetness of Christ. And church, I know that I'm talking about mom things, but I, I believe that, you know, idols are across the board, that we all have something in our life that we, we place above the Lord. Um, the Bible says, repent so that times of refreshing may come. And I don't know about you, but uh, life can be a struggle, it can be overwhelming, and I look forward to being refreshed. And the Bible says to repent so that times of refreshing may come. And so we're gonna just invite the Lord to refresh us this morning. Um, I'm reminded as we come to a close, uh, we had such an amazing opportunity two years ago to be able to go to Israel and on one of the tours, we did like a night tour of, uh, you know, the beautiful old city of Jerusalem. And it was one of my favorite things that we got to do. And so the tour guide was showing us around and he kind of had us look out, you know, at this beautiful scenery and all this, you know, old archaeological buildings. And it was just amazing. And he talked about Solomon at this point. 
And with passion in his heart and conviction in his voice, he said, Solomon, look at this. Solomon could have had it all. He could have been the greatest king Israel has ever known. And he blew it. He blew it with this one thing that he put idols, that he allowed idols in and he put idols above God. He could have had it all. And then he went to explain that this area was an archaeological dig and that in this site, they kind of uncovered a bunch of homes, tiny little homes from the reign of Solomon. And in each home was the same exact tiny little idol in like the same place. And how it just makes me think like, man, that is not the Lord's way, that the Lord has amazing plans for your life, that the Lord wants to satisfy you, that he's called you, he's anointed you as a mother, as a father, as a friend for such a time as this. And he has things for you. If you would just pull back and take that idol from its place and allow the Lord to reign in your heart, that he has something special for you. I want to read Ezekiel 36, 25 through 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The Lord this morning says, I want to wash you with clean water. That I will remove those idols from your, your life. And I will give you a new heart, new flesh. He'll remove that heart of stone. And see, the thing is, is that when we put other things as idols in our lives and we are dissatisfied and let down and dismayed and broken from that, our hearts become hard and our hearts become bitter and our hearts become closed off so that nothing can penetrate it. But what the Lord is saying is I want to take that hard heart. I want to take that bitter heart. I want to remove that and give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that can be washed, a heart that, that my word can penetrate in. I believe the Lord wants to give you moms, especially um, this Mother's Day, especially as we're coming out of this season of quarantine that the Lord wants to give you a new heart that areas that you've been struggling in are not going to be a struggle anymore that he wants to set you free that he wants to do a new work in your heart and so would you pray with me this morning if that I mean if this resonates with you at all um, maybe just put your hand on your heart and pray with me um, this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, um, that your words are true, that you wash us with clean water, that when we mess up, that when we fall short, Lord, we have these ideals, and Lord, we don't meet them, but Lord, you are perfect. You are the ideal. Lord, you are everything. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we would find our satisfaction in you, that we would find fulfillment in you, that we would find our rest and our comfort and our joy in Christ and in Christ alone. Lord, right now, I pray that you would do a healing work, that you would do a heart transplant, that as we um, decide, like, this has been an idol in my life, this has been a struggle for too long, Lord, I pray that you would remove those idols, or that you would take your throne, take the throne in our hearts, Lord Jesus.
and do a heart transplant. Remove our hard hearts and give us a heart of flesh. Lord, that we would be sensitive to your words. Lord, we would be truth bearers. Lord, that we would be women and mothers and daughters and wives who speak the truth in love. That we would have words of encouragement, that we would have words of healing, that we would have prophetic words for this generation, Lord. I pray right now a blessing on all the mothers. I pray, God, that you would continue to transform us so, Lord, that we would look more and more like you. Lord, and I, um, I just want to pray, especially if you've never said yes to Jesus and you're hearing this and saying, like, I want a new heart. I want to follow Jesus. I want to pray with you today. God wants, uh, God has a plan and a purpose and he wants you in heaven. And so if you um, want that new heart, that clean heart, um, you can hit, hit the raise hand button. You can type yes. And I'm going to pray with you. Um, would you say this prayer with me? Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I can have victory in you. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. I ask for a transplanted heart. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, if you said yes to Jesus for the first time, times of refreshing are on their way. You know, the Bible says that there is great rejoicing and a party in heaven uh, when just one sinner uh, says yes to Jesus and so we are so excited would you just let us know maybe in the comments or the chat or you can email us we would love to send you a Bible and some information about some next steps that you can take and for the rest of us I'm so excited to see what the Lord has in store for this next season um, continue to love him with all of your heart all of your mind and all of your soul please don't forget that today we have art at 9 and 11 uh, we love you guys god bless happy mother's day we'll see you next week